you beyond the borderline this is a podcast dedicated to exploring in a realistic and hopeful way what it's like to live with borderline personality disorder and other mental health problems. My name is Aline and I am your host for this podcast. I want to issue a proviso at the beginning of the podcast which is that this is absolutely not a substitute for professional mental health and or medical intervention. So please seek out those sources of support if you need them. And I also want to mention that I will be discussing topics such as self-harm and suicidal ideation and addiction that may be triggering for a number of people. I aim not to discuss those topics in a detailed way as I don't really think that adds anything to the discussion and does not really fit in with the mission of this podcast. However, in a spirit of being authentic about my life with borderline personality disorder, those topics will be mentioned in this and subsequent episodes. And I will do my best to issue trigger warnings before I start discussions about those or other potentially triggering topics. Hi, this is Aline. Welcome to Beyond the Borderline. I was planning on doing an episode about relationships and red flags and boundaries. However, I thought that I would change the focus to something that I've been experiencing recently because it's quite current for me. I'm hoping that it will be useful to you. The topic, therefore, of this episode is going to be hypomania. I didn't know what this term was until quite recently. My understanding of mania is that it's related to having bipolar disorder being a really extreme state that can last for weeks or months and that's not my personal experience. However, I've discovered that there is another less extreme version of mania called hypomania. Recently, I've realised that I definitely get hypomanic periods and have done in the past. To some degree, they're controlled by medication. However, I still do get hypomania and it can be quite disruptive and challenging in its own way. And that's why I wanted to do an episode about it. I want to start the episode by looking at what hypomania is, because if you're anything like me, you may be a little bit confused about what it is and what it means. I want you to please bear in mind that I'm not a medical professional. I'm not able to diagnose anything. If you have any concerns or questions about your own moods and emotional states, please consult a professional. I went to mind.org.uk. Mind is a well-known UK mental health charity which has a lot of free information on its website pertaining to all aspects of mental health. And there's a section which I'm going to link in the description to this episode called What are Hypomania and Mania? And it says, Hypomania is a milder version of mania that lasts for a short period, in brackets, a few days. Some people find hypomania and mania enjoyable, whereas for other people, it is a very uncomfortable, distressing and unpleasant experience. 
There's a little bit more information about hypermania. I continue reading from the website. Hypermania lasts for a few days and is less severe than mania. It can still have a disruptive effect on your life and people may notice a change in your mood and behaviour. But you will usually be able to continue with your daily activities without these being too badly affected. Symptoms of hypermania can include being happy and euphoric with a sense of well-being, lots of energy, sociable, racing thoughts, creative and full of ideas and plans, like you can perform tasks better and more quickly than normal, impatient, irritable or angry, confident with high self-esteem, attractive, flirtatious with more sexual desire, restless, on edge and having difficulty relaxing, heightened senses, colours may seem brighter, sounds louder and things more beautiful. Beautiful. You may behave more actively than usual, you may take risks, be very friendly, be very talkative, sleep less, sign up for and take part in lots of activities, wear colourful or extravagant clothes, make lots of jokes and puns and find it hard to stay still. So those are some descriptions of how you might experience life if you're going through a hypermanic phase. One question is, what's so bad about being hypermanic because a lot of the symptoms are quite enjoyable feeling confident feeling more friendly talking more loudly uh, wearing bright colors being more active and having more energy to get things done all of those things as far as I'm concerned are quite useful experiences my personal experience recently has been that the hypermania has come on through stress related to the bereavements in my life and everyday financial fears moving into a new flat also meeting with someone at work who I feel quite attracted to and a bit confused by all that has brought on hypermania recently and while on the one hand it is nice to have this increased level of energy and to want to wear bright clothes and to stand out and I've also been on a creative role I personally find it a little bit disconcerting because I feel rather out of control and I'm sort of waiting for the inevitable crash to happen and it did actually happen a few days ago I met a friend who has her own mental health struggles and we volunteer together and we met up to go for a walk and have a coffee and she said to me that she noticed that my mood was quite elevated somehow in the couple of hours we spent together I noticed my mood coming down and then I felt very irritated and I had this urge to sort of snap at her and be rude to her. I was getting impatient with a few things that she was doing and one of the reasons then that hypermania can be a problem for me anyway is that I crash from it, which I can cushion to a large degree if I manage the hypermania as wisely as possible. I am going to be devoting time in this episode to sharing 10 tips that you may be able to use to manage hypermania if you experience hypermania. I want to once again issue a proviso. If you're concerned about your mood and you've tried coping and you've you've tried regulating your, your sleep schedule and you're eating sensibly and you're doing everything you need to do and it's still not working particularly if you're not 
able to sleep, please go and see a medical professional like your doctor, or your psychiatrist, your therapist, or all three. The pros of hypermania for me are the increased energy, the sort of increased confidence, greater productivity, creative ideas, ability to talk more, all of those are great. The cons of hypermania for me are that I start to get quite unmanageable. For example, taking on too many things, taking on too many responsibilities and too many tasks, and then I forget stuff or I lose things or I miss appointments. And then that doesn't feel great and it makes my life unmanageable. Also, I know when I've got hypermania that there's gonna be uh, some kind of come down from the hypermania, which I have control over to a degree. However, it is gonna happen and I am gonna feel a bit deflated. I want to now go through 10 tips that you could use if you experience hypermania. Hopefully some of these will be useful to you. The first tip is one of the the biggest ones or the most most useful ones and that's radical acceptance now as i've discussed in another episode radical acceptance is a skill born of dialectical behavior therapy or dialectical behavioral therapy which was devised by marsha linehan a woman who herself experienced very severe mental health problems and was hospitalized for long periods of time and was suicidal and self-harming. Uh, essentially, it sounds like she had all the symptoms of BPD. And she devised this therapy style specifically for people who have BPD. It's now popular in the treatment of addiction and eating disorders and other mental health conditions. Now, how does radical acceptance help with hypermania? Well, the way it helps me and has helped me recently is that I noticed, oh boy, my mood is quite elevated and I'm kind of running on fumes. I'm trying to get too much done and I can't seem to stop and I'm on this roll and I'm a bit hyper. A lot of the symptoms, if you will, were, were happening for me. What actually makes it worse is if I then start getting really frightened and, and saying, oh my God, I've got hypermania. Oh no, what's going to happen? Oh, and then catastrophize, pretend it's not happening, which are, which are very understandable responses because if you've had this hypermanic type state in the past and let's say it's led to a big crash then it's understandable you don't really want to deal with it now again however i found that if i can say out loud to someone who's going to understand oh my mood's a bit elevated or i've got i've got hypermania whether it's to a psychiatrist or a peer or a friend or a family member and I can tell myself, okay, I've got hypermania at the moment. That's where I am now. So what can I do to navigate it? That is more useful than going into that fear and denial. Oh, what, what am I doing? And oh my God, this is, you know, that sort of, that just makes it worse. So radical acceptance is something that I recommend. Radical acceptance is quite an abstract term, but how do you actually practice that? Well, there are different ways, but one way is to turn the palms of your hands up as if you're in a meditation pose with your elbows on your knees, your palms facing up, and you smile, but you don't do like a big exaggerated smile. You do what DBT calls a half smile. So it's kind of like a Mona Lisa smile. It's just the hint of a smile. You just turn your mouth up slightly and you just try a few breaths saying, 
I'm hypermanic at the moment. I'm hypermanic. What can I do to help myself? I'm hypermanic. I'm not suggesting you sit there for 10 minutes and, and do that. For a minute or so or 30 seconds, just tune in. And that is a way of practicing radical acceptance, which might then help you to go on to use some tools to navigate the hypermania rather than pretending it's not happening, going into it and going into it and just running on it until you crash. So the next tool is, once again, is a DBT skill and it's called the ABC Please skill. I've gone over that in another podcast episode. So if you want to know in more detail what that is, then go back to that episode. I think it's the second or the third one. Essentially, ABC Please is about your self-care. You treat physical illness. You, you eat regular meals. What can really help with hypermania is to not skip meals. I know when I'm hypermanic, I have an urge to just skip meals. I am also recovering from anorexia, so that's a part of it. But I get this kind of adrenaline high and I'm running on the adrenaline and I just think, ah, oh, I just, I don't need to eat. I'll eat later. I recommend that you actually don't do that that you plan if you if you can like when you get up in the morning just plan what what you're going to eat and when you're going to eat to as, as to the degree that you can even if you are experiencing hypermania eating regularly will stabilize your mood and it will help you not to go further into the hypermania it'll just make it that much easier for you to navigate that hypermanic state another part of please is sleep i do realize that sleep is is difficult sometimes if we're in this hypermanic state now for me recently even though i was quite up in the evening and i was kind of buzzing i'm on medication which take religiously. Uh, I'm on an antipsychotic and an antidepressant. They've definitely changed my life, um, particularly the the antipsychotic. To some degree, I, I do get sleep. I'm not up all night, night after night. If you find that you're literally not sleeping for more than a few days, I would really encourage you to check in with your doctor. I know for me that is such a strong trigger for symptoms of my mental illnesses. I think that's a really important one. Now, exercise is another one. I find that that's very helpful with hypermania. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, I'm recovering from anorexia anorexia and bulimia and binge eating. I have to watch it with exercise because that was part of my eating disorder or I should say over-exercising was part of my eating disorder. If you're, if you're in early recovery from an eating disorder then you really need to consult your support team about this. If you're not then exercise can really help just to drain some of that excess energy and it can also help you to sleep. Uh, for me what's been working has been w walking uh, for you, it might be something different. And as I say, if you want to listen in more depth to information about the police skills, check out that earlier episode. Now, the next one, rest. So this is number three, rest and opposite action. So rest is self-explanatory. And it's one of those things that, like eating, when I'm in hypermania, I don't want to rest. I want to do the opposite of resting. I want to just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. So it might be that you have to be a bit counterintuitive and say, right, I'm spending two hours now lying down and resting and I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to listen to a calming meditation or I've actually been listening to audiobooks recently, which I find very soothing. Rest is something that if you can schedule that into your day and it might be that if you're working all day, you may not be able to 
take two hours to just go and rest, but you can take maybe half an hour to go for a walk or five minutes to close your eyes and breathe in and out. Those those little things add up to quite significant differences in your ability to manage symptoms like hypomania. Opposite action is what I've been talking about in that it is exactly what it sounds like. It's acting opposite to your urge or to your emotion. For those of us with BPD in general, we have very overwhelming emotions. And one thing that can be useful is for example, let's take sadness. If I'm feeling really sad about something, it may be that the sadness is utterly justified. For example, uh, bereavements. I've had two bereavements recently. Sadness is absolutely justified. However, I don't want to sit in sadness for too, too long at a time because I, I can't really deal with it. I, I then start to have urges to self-harm and it becomes really counterproductive in a way. And everyone's different in the, the degree to which they can sit with emotion. So what I might do then, and it might feel really clunky at first, is to say, okay, yeah, I feel sad. It's now feeling a bit overwhelming. So I'm going to watch a silly sitcom or something like that. So you, you literally take an action that's opposite to the emotion or the urge. Rest and eating regularly might be ways of acting opposite to your emotion or your mood state when you're hypermanic. Okay, so number four is communicating with someone who's non-judgmental. I think this is really important if you have access, not all of us do have access to someone who's non-judgmental to speak to about our mental health issues, unfortunately. In my experience, it can take a while to find someone that one can speak to, especially if you have BPD. Certainly in the UK, it can be a long wait for therapy and for any meaningful treatment. Some places where I found other people that I can speak to are through volunteering in the mental health sector. You get to know people. Many people who volunteer in the mental health sector have their own mental health problems. There are also different kinds of peer groups. I mean, there are addiction peer groups, there are mental health peer groups. I recommend that you have a look and see what's available in your area. One note of caution if you're new to peer groups is that you use discernment about disclosing your mental health diagnosis and any symptoms you might be experiencing. Of course, it's worth doing some research into any peer group you're considering attending. And I would suggest, unless it's specifically related to BPD, that you suss out the group a few times before you venture to provide information about your mental health symptoms and mental health diagnosis, particularly because BPD is so stigmatised and in general, some peer groups, for example, those focused on addiction, may not always be as receptive to you talking about your mental health problems as they could be. There's loads of stuff online to, to find. If you have a friend or a family member or a partner, of course, all the better. Um, but if you can express to someone that, look, I'm, I'm in this elevated mood state that can that can really help it sounds like a really simple thing and it, it can really help so number five is self-validation now I've put this down because I think it's quite connected to radical acceptance from my own 
example, decided or tried to practice radical acceptance and say, okay, I'm hypermanic at the moment, my mood's elevated, I don't really like this, but this is where I am. Validating myself wasn't about saying, yeah, it's fine to be hypermanic, that's really great. It's about saying, well, it's very understandable. I've had two bereavements, I've just moved, I've got interpersonal situation, which I find quite difficult. I mean, all those things are quite stressful for me. And so it's understandable that I might not want to deal with these emotions and I become hypermanic. It's just it's just how it happened. Another time I might have a different mood in response to those emotions and those events in my life. But right now I'm hypermanic and it makes sense. So that can really help rather than, I know what I tend to do is to sort of go, oh my God, I shouldn't be hypermanic, this is really bad, oh my God, and then that just makes things worse. Okay, so self-validation and radical acceptance are definitely two that I recommend. Number six, reduce your workload. Now, this can be exactly what you don't want to do when you're hypermanic, and I know that's the, the same for me. I've been selling my jewellery, so I just started teaching a jewellery course. I've got some other work, I'm applying for jobs, and it's so tempting to just be out and then come back and just start working, and I realised that it was making it worse. Uh, what I started doing in the last week was coming home and going, you know what, I, if I don't have more jewellery for this weekend at the market where I sell it, that's just going to have to do. It's not the end of the world. Or if I don't get this done today, I mean, barring absolute priorities, if I don't get this done today, it's not the end of the world. I would really recommend that you take something out of your workload. Or, you know what, I don't need to go and see this person today. I can go and see them next week. Or this person needs help. They can wait till next week. Find a way to take something out of your workload. And of course, that's connected with rest. Now, number seven is see your doctor. I actually made an appointment with my doctor last week and I felt a great sense of relief, not necessarily because I'm gonna get any remarkable help from the doctor. It's very likely that she'll just say, oh, well, you're coping okay, so if anything gets worse, let me know, which can be really frustrating. I, I get that and I've had too many encounters with GPs and medical professionals to count where I thought that I was being so invalidated and I wasn't getting the help I needed. To some degree, I mean, it's just taking that action to look after yourself. It's taking that action to go and speak to someone. And it's like getting a reassurance in a way. Obviously, if you're getting to a point where you're not sleeping night after night and you're spending money. I and mean, that's another one for me personally is that I start getting quite impulsive around money. And that's one of the ways that I noticed I was becoming hypermanic. I wasn't spending money to the degree that I couldn't pay my bills or eat or anything like that, which I have done in the past. But I was A, spending more money than I wanted to or could afford to. And B, I was doing it impulsively. I was like, oh, I want to go in here and buy this. And I want to go in here, you know, so I noticed the, the pattern was a bit impulsive. That was how I noticed that I was in this hypermania. Number eight, I've put plan for a crash landing. That will make it smoother. Hypermania, you do, in my experience, have a crash. One of the ways that I've had that crash is that I start getting really irritable and then I just lash out or I get really angry or even if I don't lash out I'd have emotional crash and I just feel really angry and hollow and, and that's really unpleasant. One aspect of crashing from hypermania for me is that sense of internal hollowness and numbness that many of us with BPD experience. And I find that after being in a state of 
if I can put it this way, emotional highness or emotional intensity where everything seems a bit more vivid and bright to come back down to emptiness, hollowness, irritability is a very unpleasant and b makes me quite vulnerable to self-harm at worst and at best just feeling like crap. One thing that has worked for me is to have in my life a few things that I can use to self-soothe. Those might change over time. At the moment, what I like are watching certain Netflix shows, lighting a candle, sniffing aromatherapy oils, building mastery and self-soothing by working on my jewellery, looking at animal videos online. Those are just a few examples of activities that I come back to when I'm in a agitated state or a depressive or an empty, numb state. Having a few of those at your fingertips might be a big support to you when you're navigating hypomania. The more you can say to yourself, okay, there's going to be a point where this ends and I might feel crappy. What what can I do to help myself out so I don't do something that I regret? Or yeah, I might feel kind of crappy for a few days. What can I do just to see myself through that? Planning ahead is is always useful in my opinion. I think if you can pragmatically think about ways that you can support yourself when you do have that crash, it'll it'll make it much easier to handle. Okay, so number nine is look at triggers. Now, for this, I think it's best to do this when you're out of the hypermania because it's very difficult to clearly look at what's going on underneath unless you're in a more wise mind or balanced mental and emotional state. So I've put this down because I think in the long term, it's useful to figure out what if any recurring situations might trigger the hypermania. I actually think the thing that's really set it off is having a crush on someone, being a bit confused about their intentions and not really knowing how to, to deal with it. And all, all that is, is is one of the things that sets off the hypermania. Anything to do with relationships and intimate relationships and confusion and all, all that really really sets me off I've got more to look at in regards to this it's been helpful to identify that and also I've got some anxieties around money when you're able to take a step back from the hypermania you know if you can do this I think one way is to really work with a therapist you can also journal you can do worksheets there's a dbt worksheet called behavioral chain analysis and if you can get through one of those then you're a, a real winner because there are extremely laborious to go through and they're also really effective because what they do is they literally like break down step by step okay so this action I did this and then I felt like this and then I thought that and then then I did this so oh wait a minute so I did this after I thought this it gives you this roadmap of what's actually going on I really recommend you don't do that when you're hypermanic because you you need to have a sort of clear head and 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 be in a fairly balanced state in my opinion to to get the most out of really looking at your triggers and 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 then planning ahead on how to cope with them 
okay number 10 i've actually put down again radical acceptance so radical acceptance is number one and number 10 and i've put it down again because i think it's so important radical acceptance for me has really made a difference with this bout of hypermania one of my huge fears is of relapsing and going backwards and ending up in the sort of dire straits that i was in years past as a result of mental illness and substance abuse and my eating disorders. Radical acceptance has really helped me to put things in the bigger picture and go, look, right now I'm having this hypermania. It's understandable. I'm doing what I need to do to navigate it. If there's more of a problem, I'll go to the doctor. If there's really a problem, I'll get referred back to the psychiatrist. It's just trying to be very pragmatic about it. And it can be difficult to do that when you're in a sort of heightened emotional state. But it's just a question of practicing and practicing and my big takeaway has been suggested to me again and again is that with these skills with these tools the way to have them accessible when you need them when you're in a more uh, heightened or sort of intense emotional state is to practice them when you're not in that emotional state around smaller things if I feel um, irritated someone pushes past me on the bus I can practice radical acceptance that's not about saying oh it's fine that they push me on the bus for me it would be about going you know what I'm really irritated that that person pushed me on the bus do I want to do anything about it well yeah they push me people push past each other I don't need to do anything about it right now rather than you know turn around and say hey what's wrong with you or I might internalize it and obsess about it and and then that takes a lot of mental energy and, and it drains me and radical acceptance is is really a key concept I think and it and it can help with so many different things but in this case I found it very helpful with the hypermania and and it's not about going yeah hypermania is great yeah, I've got hypermania, that's fine. Or yeah, I've got hypermania. Oh, well, I'm gonna end up um, having a huge crash and like emptying my bank account. And no, it's about going, this is happening. This is how it is right now. This is the reality of the situation. Now, what can I do to cope with it? What can I do to make my life as comfortable as possible, given that I have this? It's another way to look at it is I've broken my leg. Well, if you've broken your leg, you're going to be in a lot of pain. A radical acceptance would be going, oh, I've, I've really hurt my leg. I need to go to A&E. That, that's radical acceptance. I, I'm in a lot of pain. I've injured myself. I need to go to A&E or I need to get the proper attention. I hope you found this helpful today. I would love to hear your experiences with coping with hypermania. I think this is something that those of us with BPD experience quite a bit. I don't know if other people experience it. I don't really know. I'd be interested to know if you do how how you cope with it as always you can tweet me at beyond the border three so that's beyond the b-o-r-d-e three uh, that's on twitter uh, you can also dm me if you have any questions or if you have suggestions for episodes as always if you have a minute to write a review of the podcast i would so much appreciate it it helps the podcast to become accessible to other people who may need it i wanted to finish by thanking all the people who've been kind enough to write reviews of the show and tweet them or Instagram them or in some cases send them to me via a message in my Etsy shop. Thank you so much for taking the time to let me know that it's helping you. I really appreciate it because that's why I do this podcast in addition to doing it for myself to hopefully bring some awareness and some useful information to 
any of us out there with BPD and those people who are our friends, family, professionals working with uh, people with borderline personality disorder. But I want to finish by wishing you a peaceful 24 hours and at the very least a few peaceful moments in your day. I look forward to catching up with you next time. Take care. Bye.